welcome to Creative Piecemeal Podcast, a podcast for creatives. I'm your host, Tammy Takeishi. Join me for compelling conversations with artists, actors, authors, musicians, and other creatives about the impact of the creative and fine arts in their lives and our ever-changing world. Thank you for listening. Please consider saving the lives of the popular wiener dog breed, also known as Dachshunds. One such organization is Dachshund Rescue of Houston. They're an entirely volunteer-based 501c3 organization that rescues and rehomes dogs through their foster network. If you'd like to learn more or to make a donation, visit dro.org. That's D-R-O-H dot org. And thanks always for listening. Hello, and welcome to Creative Piecemeal Podcast. Today, my guest is pianist Anna Nikolic. She's been playing piano her whole life and grew up in Serbia. And later, she completed her Master in Piano Performance in Rome. She is currently a performing pianist and a music educator in the United States. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. You have a fantastic Instagram with beautiful pieces and you collaborate with lots of musicians and you also play on your own. But before we jump into that, I would love to know who or what inspired you to become a musician. So I guess the very first person that inspired me was my great grandmother because she played a little bit and um, as I don't remember it as much because I was very little. But I think that was like something that pushed me really into the piano because we had it at home and it was very interesting for me. And then later on, of course, my teachers, um, musicians that I would admire when I would go to the concerts and yeah. So more than one, I guess. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that that makes sense. You studied both um, music performance and education in school. Um, Have you always wanted to do that dual career where you taught and performed? I I think so. I mean, I I think I had also very good teachers, and you know, when when they're really good, they inspire you to kind of want to be at least somewhat like them. And, you know, it was kind of, I wasn't really sure what I would like more. I love children and I like working with with children. So I think in a way I always loved teaching because it's it's just a part of me that is different. And I, I would like to continue to do that as well. Nice. What's your favorite thing about teaching? If I had to pick one, I would definitely say seeing them go from nothing to to just like being very confident and excited and and just seeing that they're actually able to do something that they never thought they would because they struggle. Uh, it's It's a very humbling experience. Like you start something and I know this by trying to pick up other instruments even as, as an adult and 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 then you realize, you feel very little. You feel like 
there's so much that you can't do and in, in a way you think you will never be able to. And just by sticking to it and just doing things very slowly, you realize that you can overcome pretty much anything. And that's like a skill that is, it doesn't apply only on, you know, music or, or learning. I think it's very important for anybody, even for people that don't take it to the professional level or don't intend to take it to a professional level. It just builds confidence. It builds self-esteem. I think it's, I think it's great. And seeing that like with kids, it's just like, it's very rewarding, I think. Yeah. And, and such a great point that you make, you know, that, that just seeing how far people come, if they just try, even if it's just for fun or self-fulfillment, it's, it's so powerful. Yeah. And it's, it's definitely music is, something that I think shouldn't be exclusive to people that are doing it for a living or professionally. I think we all need it. And it's, it's great. It's, it's just, it's a completely new way of, I I feel like in the United States, it's, it's not as present maybe as it is in Europe. In schools, at least from what I've seen, and I live in Miami, Florida, so maybe different (laughs) elsewhere, but it's not something that, that is accessible to everybody in a way that that maybe should be. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Like, I I grew up in the United States my whole life. And, you know, my parents sought out music lessons for myself and my siblings, Mm -hmm. you know, whereas not every family would necessarily do that. They may not know where to look. They may not have Mm -hmm. the resources. You know, they may put more emphasis in something else instead of music. Yeah. And it's, I think it's very important just like as part of the development, it's, it's very, very important. And I feel like that's one of the things that I I think could change and should change, like Mm -hmm. from within the educational system, just having that more accessible to more people, more kids, maybe not just the ones that they can afford. And which is, you know, it's still to this day, I feel like it's a privilege of just people that, that can afford it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would I would agree. It definitely seems like that. You know, it seems almost like a privilege to be able to do music lessons as opposed to something that happens for everyone. Although I know in some countries they're they're trying to change that, but we mm-hmm. haven't quite gotten there here yet. So yeah, I mean we have. I mean even I have done some community programs with one of the students' parents who she's a pro bono lawyer, and we did like a little program in in the some of the foster cares that she was working with. And it's, it's amazing how you see like these kids that are kind of misguided and maybe don't have uh, something creative to do how it, it really transforms them. So I think maybe that's something that that's, that's something I'm passionate, uh, passionate about that it could improve, I guess, communities. Do you see that a lot more in Europe or even when you grew up in Serbia, that more of a community music making? Well, we we had music schools that are uh, free. So that's that's different. Like if you are talented and, and willing and you pass the audition, you pretty much already have the ability and the option to do that. And I know that musical instruments are expensive, but they do provide some school instruments as well. So you don't really need a lot other than really a desire to learn. And that's, I, don't, I feel like that's not the case here. I know they have like band and orchestra and choir, but you know, that's not quite, it, it, it's wonderful, but it's not quite the same as one-on-one lessons, of course. Exactly, yeah. No, these are one-on-one lessons. They, they used to be three times a week and, 
I believe there was like something like a small copay, but it was just so ridiculously inexpensive that it's almost like for free. That's fantastic that you were able to grow up in such a nurturing environment for the arts. And this was also during the war. Oh. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, we had in, you know, we had the Civil War from 1990 until 95. And, you know, so it, it's still education was still going. So, yeah, that was I, I feel like I was fortunate that way to be able to do that, because maybe, you know, that's one of the things that made me who I am today. Yeah, and you're an excellent pianist. And I think it's wonderful that you're sharing your music and your gifts of teaching, you know, not only with your community, but um, across the world with your regular streaming concerts and things of that nature. Would you like to tell us a little bit more about those? Well, I do not just that. I do a, a lot of other little kind of gigs and projects, which I think any working musician has to, <laughs> to support themselves. I not not just recently, but I always liked composing. Only in the last couple of years, I've kind of gotten more into that. That's one of the projects that is going to occupy more and more of my time. I feel like probably more than performing and, and all of that. Because at this point, I feel like also it's nice to leave something else behind. And in terms of concerts, I think I did a lot more of the serious concerts when I was younger. I, I did a lot of competitions. I did a lot of, um, I guess, competitions that lead you into like contracts and and kind of just you get you kind of get into that machine. And recently, I discovered that I just really enjoy actually also creating music. And I, I guess like I decided to take myself more seriously on that, not just like keep it you know, written somewhere without ever finishing or publishing. And I think that's kind of like what I'm trying to focus right now. Oh, that's fantastic. Are you hoping to maybe create um, an album with all of your music? Definitely. definitely. Hopefully more than one. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> In addition to composing, what do you think is one of your most favorite creative things to do? I guess that's right now that's my <laughs> new favorite thing. I mean, I love performing and I've done not just, you know, classical music concert, I've done like different things like arranging music for cabaret and performing it there. I worked also in the in the theater accompanying like opera singers and stuff like that. Like all kind of different things throughout uh, my I guess path to where where I am right now. I think that's fantastic. Both of those outlets are just not only really fulfilling to yourself, but but are very fulfilling to other creative people because they might be inspired by your compositions to suddenly start compose themselves, you know, things like that. What is one of your favorite pieces of music to play? That's a hard one. I'm not sure if I have one. I I love I love Chopin, so pretty much a lot of I do a lot of that. I love Beethoven sonatas. I've kind of read through and play all of them. I can't choose one. <laughs> it depends on the mood a lot, <laughs> you know. It, I guess it depends really on the mood. Oh, Something yes. that I feel like maybe today is is great. Like maybe I'm, you know, just like very slow or 
or feel like being at home or maybe I'm in the mood for Bach and some very like something very grounding or I feel, you know, completely the opposite way. It's, it's, it's really hard. It's a, it's a very hard question. Yeah, I honestly don't think I could pick a favorite myself. So <laughs> although I do really love Mozart. I, I do love Mozart. I love listening to it. But for for piano specifically, because I'm a pianist, I actually prefer playing other composers on the piano. But Mozart is just, you know, for chamber music, for, you know, orchestra, for symphonies. It's just like definitely, I don't know, if if you could, I guess, pick one to never listen to anything else, I guess it would be maybe Mozart. (laughs) But playing playing piano music, I feel like it's hard to choose. If you could play any other instrument in the world, what would it be? I love the violin. (laughs) My sister played it. And I was always jealous. <laughs> so maybe I was always jealous. Not not jealous, you know, but like, hmm, I wish. And I kind of tried a little bit. And she would catch me with it and be very mad. <laughs> but I guess that's one of the <laughs> That would be one, then maybe. <laughs> right? It's a good one, too. What is one of your favorite things about the creative process, whether it's learning a piece of music or writing a piece of music or teaching? I guess overcoming myself and and overcoming what I thought are my weaknesses and just seeing that, seeing what I can do, I guess. And and I I suppose that could be whatever else creative I was doing, even the things I'm very bad at, like drawing, but I love it. (laughs) And... Yeah, I feel like we all need it. Not necessarily. We don't. We don't have to be good at it to start, but just like seeing how much progress, for me at least, for me, it's the progress itself. It's satisfying, and and then the results, you know, is amazing. I would agree. Yeah, really discovering like who we are as people as we go through the creative process is so important. Yeah, I know. I've learned a lot about patience. <laughs> I feel like as musicians, we learn that very early. Otherwise, we wouldn't (laughs) stick. It's very, you know, it tests us in every step, I guess. Yes, yes. Especially Bach, right? Yeah, Yeah. it's worth it. It's very worth it. (laughs) What is a piece of music advice that you follow and a piece of music advice that you ignore? Hmm. It'd be the same one. (laughs) (laughs) that I ignore and follow (laughs) slowly is one of the best advices that the teachers give you like take it slowly give yourself the time to process so that's a great advice that I sometimes ignore (laughs) always thinking that maybe I can just get away with not (laughs) and I learn that I'm wrong every time (laughs) so slowly while learning that is good advice for sure yeah and yet (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's so hard especially when there's a beautiful piece of music in front of you and you just want to plow through it and play all the way through yes and that's you know knowing what I do makes it more difficult to get angry with the students for doing the same thing (laughs) anything makes me laugh just seeing myself also in most of them yeah. So 
this is a sort of a fun question that doesn't have anything to do with music. But what are some places that you recommend a tourist visit if they were to come to Miami? If you've been feeling burned out, stressed, overwhelmed, or exhausted, the resources and courses at the Self-Care Institute are here to support you. The Self-Care Institute was founded by Dr. Ami Kunimura and provides support for individuals and organizations with burnout prevention, burnout recovery, and stress management. I've personally taken a few of these courses and found them to be super helpful, both professionally and personally. The care you give yourself matters just as much as the care you give to others. But if self-care is difficult for you, you're not alone. And the Self-Care Institute is here to support your well-being, resilience, and sense of fulfillment at work and at home. For more information, visit selfcareinstitute.com or go to the show notes and click on the link. Uh, well, I love the beach. I love the Alita State Park, which is like a nature preserve and has all kind of things like from birds to different insects if you're into that. I'm ne not necessarily, but has all kind of life forms to sharks, shark eggs that you can see in the mangroves. It's pretty incredible. Little sharks, obviously, because it's very shallow. You can see dolphins, you can see all kind of tropical fish because Miami is very tropical, believe it or not, even though it's, I guess, like it's very close to the Caribbean. Um, and then like we do have some cultural things going on during concert season, but I don't feel like that's like necessarily a Miami thing. That's just more for locals. So we have some kind of culture like Adrian R Center, the New World Center. You know, we have the opera and the ballet house also in downtown Miami. So that's like for night, I guess, if you're looking for some culture. But other than that, there's like a lot of, a lot of really good food. Seafood is amazing on on the on the river. My favorite is still the beach. I think it's maybe even the only reason. <laughs> if you need one reason, I think just the fact that it's nice and warm year round and that is it's just like a paradise. There's lots of these little places that make it really an incredible place to live. Would you say that the beach or nature sort of inspires you and makes you feel like you could create more? Definitely. But it also makes me lazy. <laughs> so <I laughs> make a balance. It inspires me in a way if I'm um, maybe overly tired or overworked, then it's a good place to go and recharge. But it shouldn't be necessarily maybe for an artist or anybody. Like, just a way to start a day and just, you know, spend the day. You will not necessarily, or, or at least I am not. I feel like it's a good escape. It's a great escape. You don't really need a vacation when you live here. You do your thing, and then if you feel that you need a couple of hours, take a break, go just recharge. There's a lot of places where, you know, it's not very touristy, like South Beach. You're not going to be surrounded by a lot of people. It's a noise. It's literally just nature. You can reset, look at the animals, just bury your feet in the sand, and it's it's great. That sounds lovely. Yeah, yeah it's, it's pretty great. 
What is one place that you have not traveled to that you want to? Asia. (laughs) That's, yeah, I've never been to Asia, I guess. And what's one place that you love going to travel to? Rome, always. (laughs) Italy in general, but I feel like I've, you know, I guess when you're in college, you make a lot of friends and it has always a special place in your heart. And I think that's one of the places that I'm always happy to go back to. And of course, I hear they have good food in Italy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Especially for me that I'm, I'm really, I love carbs and I love, <laughs> I try not to, obviously, but I love carbs. I love pizza. I could eat it for breakfast, lunch and dinner. Me too. Me too. I, I'm a big fan of carbs. I love pasta. <laughs> oh, me too. Yeah, it's amazing. Speaking of food, do you have any favorite meals that you like to eat after a concert? Surprisingly, I don't feel hungry after a concert. I think the adrenaline is always very high, but I do crave fries sometimes. French fries or sweet potato fries, that's something that you know, feels good. <laughs> I, I would agree with you there. Those are, those are always tasty. Oh, yes. <laughs> We're going to jump back into music questions. What are some of your favorite music albums? Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be classical. Hmm. Again, I guess it would really depend on the mood. I've recently discovered that even country music, when you're like driving, can be fun, which is, I never thought I would, you know? And then, you know, I do like, especially recently, some contemporary, I don't, necessarily they're not necessarily albums because i would like i usually like have apple music and then it's just like shuffling different things so i can't really respond with the albums but i've i have been listening to some contemporary things and i actually do listen to more classical than anything else to be honest i love bach i love mozart and beethoven when i'm just like if it almost like even as a background music just and sometimes I need also, because I do teach and I listen to a lot of kids, sometimes like silence is great too, <laughs> to reset. You've made your life here in America, but I was wondering, in addition to, of course, the differences in the culture with music, what are some other differences that you sort of found shocking when you moved to America? When I first moved I guess people are are very different. P- people are way more polite here, but they're not necessarily always genuine. Mm. Or at least, you know, I guess like when you come from a certain place, you already know how to pick up on, on cer- certain social cues. They're very different. I guess like social cues and, and the way people express themselves, that, that would be the first thing that I noticed. I think that's pretty much mainly what, what kind of stuck with me. Just the social cues are different and people are a lot nicer on first sight, but it's not always genuine. And, you know, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because we don't necessarily need to know (laughs) what's behind everybody's, you know. I feel like in Serbia, where I am from, people are just like have zero filter, which is not always a great thing. (laughs) There's definitely something to be said for sort of withholding information right? with strangers when you meet them, you know? Yeah, it's, it may not be a bad thing. <laughs> you don't know who's on the other side. Yes. 
Are there any foods that you miss from your home country? Yeah, a couple of... It's, it's just I also don't have the habit of making food and I'm not really good at it. But we have some dishes that I do miss, like sarma, which is like, I guess, like a stuffed cabbage leaf. It can be vegetarian. It can be with different kind of meat. Uh, and it's very tasty. I think that is something that I don't know how to make and I do miss it. The rest... It's, you know, like pancakes and things like that that you have here. So it's it's not so much. Uh, but that one is, I feel like, the more traditional kind of thing that I do miss. And I always like to eat when I go back. Excellent. So back to a music question again. You know, your Instagram is fairly popular and you pose with your gorgeous white grand piano. But I noticed you recently, which I love, white's like one of my favorite colors. But you recently got a new baby in your household. So beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I love Steinways, of course. And I I mean, it's it's a dream, you know. And I always wanted to have like a vintage, older Steinway. And this happened just really unexpectedly. And it needs some work, but it's it's really really beautiful and I want to restore it to its original shape because even though it's it's really really gorgeous after some time technicians will tell you after after 30 years you need to start replacing little parts you know because you know it's just normal wear and tear and this piano is almost 130 years old still sounds amazing and it's playable but however the newest Steinways have the accelerated action, which means basically for repetition, for just accuracy. It's just, I say, like, it requires not a lot of my skill to make it sound amazing. So I actually am in the process of transferring it to the factory and have it completely remanufactured, which means I would like to install a brand new action, replace all the moving parts, which is like around 10,000 parts, and have it be completely like new. That sounds really cool. It's almost like restoring a vintage car. Pretty much, but like putting a new engine and everything. And yeah, it's, it's, it's something that I like to do also in my free time. I have an old piano in Serbia that I have myself restored, but with this, I wouldn't take any chances. I think somebody who is a professional is always going to do a better job. Somebody who has a routine in it. So I wouldn't mess with trying to, <laughs> to with my experiments. Do you, do you think you would ever um, go into piano repair just for fun in the future? Oh, definitely. I love it. I, I'm tempted to do that even now. But obviously, I wouldn't do it with this. But yes, this, it's, it's just so much fun. Um, again, it's a little bit of a different creative process. And it's, I like it. I like seeing it. It's, it's something where you see clearly, like visibly results right away, no matter what you do. And I could spend hours and days and weeks during, you know, during the pandemic. <laughs> I was, I went to Serbia and I was stuck there because obviously, you know, everything was closed I couldn't even call anybody to fix the piano. So I spend months on it because I'm not really, I'm, I don't have the routine. I, I'm not professional. 
but I really did a great job and it gave me confidence to try to do it again. It seems like it'd be a really fun thing for musicians to pick up and just learn, especially if they're hands-on, you know? Well, I took a course, so I, I do know how to, to, I do know the theory. The thing is that if you don't practice, just like with anything, it's not so easy. It's a lot. I, I, I'm not kidding when I say that it probably takes me 10 to 20 times longer than it would take somebody who knows how to do it 100% without triple checking everything. So it's still fun. I don't regret it. That's good. Yeah. It could, you can almost turn it into a side hustle, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, I don't think anybody would pay me money to <laughs> waste your time. But if I got good at it, I guess. What is one of your best music tips to that you like to pass on to students? Slowly. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Take your time. I guess like knowing that there's so many different learning personalities and that there are many different things that work on different people. And maybe there are things that don't work on everybody, but slowly works on everybody. If you take your time to process really the information and take the time to avoid the mistakes, there's less to fix. And I feel like the mistakes stick a lot better than anything that you're trying to learn. So <laughs> definitely slowly works on everybody. <laughs> One more question, which is, in your own words, what does living a creative life mean to you? Hmm, I'm not sure. <laughs> for me, it's I, I feel like I, I am living a creative life, but for me, it's just at this point so normal that I kind of have a hard time also translating that to different professions. But I think anybody who wants to be good at something and is striving to do that is living a creative life because it can apply to so many things. And I feel like it's, it's mainly just following that goal and trying to create something and, and just not giving up on it. What you do is creative. What what even something that is somebody who is a gardener creating that, I think it, it's, it's really like how you see things. It really, it's just like striving to perfection, I guess. Excellent. Before we go, is there anything else you would love to tell the listeners? It's unrelated to music, but I feel like animals are just what makes my life a lot better. And as you can see, she's present all the time. I think that's one thing. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Mm -hmm. Thank you for having me. And listeners, please check out Anna Nikolic on her website and her Instagram. She also does streaming and various concerts across the United States. And of course, you can check out her adorable dog, Lala, as well, when you check out her Instagram. As always, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Like the show? Have a question? Stop by the Facebook and Instagram pages. Links are in the show notes or search for Creative Piecemeal Podcast on social media and click follow for all the latest.